Well, hello, Clive DeCarl with The Health Revolution. I'm joined once again by the wonderful Dr. Brian Ardis, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him because it's been, I don't, I don't know quite how long it's been, but at least six months before, when we spoke last, and I'm sure a lot of lot of things have, have happened. So perhaps you could, uh, you know, hopefully people know who you are, but you could briefly just remind people who you are and, um, you know, what, what's happening to us, the population of the earth. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for uh, having me back on your platform. And I hope all your audiences are doing great. And I'm proud of you for anybody going through the effort to try to make sure audiences are educated, warned and inspired. So uh, proud of you for that. So uh, I think over the, if people don't know who I am, uh, I'm Dr. Brian Artis. I live in Dallas, Texas in the US. I'm a retired chiropractor actually, and uh, really have been known now worldwide for the last three years as the guy that blew the whistle on a drug called remdesivir that was uh, approved by Dr. Anthony Fauci in the United States to be the only anti-COVID drug in hospitals to be used. And uh, his outright lies about its safety and effectiveness in several trials before he selected that as the only drug to be utilized in America before exporting it to the rest of the world at the end of 2020. And that really set the stage for allowing a lot of elderly people in the United States to be killed with a drug that had a 53% mortality rate in a trial a year prior to the pandemic against the Ebola virus. And so 1.1 million people have died in the United States and 99% of them were in hospitals and ICUs receiving the drug remdesivir, which allowed them then to advertise, propagandize and fear monger a vaccine needed to save the rest of us around the world. Uh, not unlike what happened in the UK, where they used midazolam and morphine in nursing homes to kill in May, sorry, in March and April of 2020, over 40,000 innocent nursing home residents with a combination of two drugs that are lethal. And then they forced the coroners, such as those like John O'Looney in the UK, who refused to do this. But the chief coroner of the country told all other coroners, your job is to now label every single one of these nursing home deaths as COVID-19 deaths. And he refused. And many of those coroners were challenged, obviously, with their licenses and their livelihoods. But that allowed the United Kingdom to then spread through the media, fear-mongering about deaths being caused by COVID and the need for vaccines. So worldwide, I've been actually called the remdesivir guy. Uh, back in March of 2022, I became the snake venom guy as I unveiled on the world the discovery, and for me and myself and other scientists around the world prior to me, that the long hauler COVID symptoms, the acute COVID symptoms, and the vaccine injuries actually could all be directly correlated to various synthetically manufactured venom peptides or proteins around the world. Even the spike protein on the outside of COVID that everybody now has accepted as a, a true language nomenclature term that has never existed before, primarily in our uh, lay people's communication, it has now been so pervasive, its use as a term uh, that we accepted as some foreign protein that mutated on a virus, which was never true. It was actually identified in January of 2020 by Chinese researchers the spike protein in April of 2020, in the same four months of the pandemic, also confirmed. And then Italy researchers 
led by Carlos Brogna in Italy in June of 2020, they were all able to confirm various presences of what they called the spike protein was actually venom peptides from the king cobra snake and from the venomous, very deadly crate snake from Asia. So these were, and these actual symptoms that everyone experienced with COVID and long hauler COVID symptoms and vaccine injuries, you can actually pinpoint directly which venom proteins and from which creatures are creating the actual infectious appearing respiratory symptoms, but they're actually neurological symptoms to mimic what looks like a respiratory virus. So that has been a very, 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 very important thing for people to understand because once you understand what the mechanism of the spike protein, which is a venom protein, when you know what venoms are targeting and you realize what the receptor sites that they target and cause injury, death, and harm and toxicity, once you know what the target is, you now know how to address it. And all you got to do is go look into snake venom research and learn what are the antidotes from plants, what are the amino acids, what are the medications that can be used and are published and known to inhibit the toxic effects of venoms. It was just a shocking thing to me to realize in the middle of 2022, uh, two and a half years into this pandemic, that the actual drugs and nutrients that were being published and being utilized around the world via telemedicine to keep people out of hospitals and to reduce their risk for severe COVID symptoms. All of them, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, all of them, corticosteroids, all of them are also published to inhibit and, and block the toxic effects of venoms in the human body uh, and in animals and mammals. So they actually directly correlated with each other and it was shocking to figure that out. And then uh, it all started when I started researching monoclonal antibodies which were having like a 100% success rate at treating acute COVID patients worldwide. It was very interesting to find out that when the FDA in 2022 decided to ban all monoclonal antibodies uh, because they were very successful, it was odd to see them take that stance. It was appearing as if they were trying to deny through the media trust in hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and then punishing doctors for using monoclonal antibodies. Well, monoclonal antibodies worldwide, 90% of all monoclonal antibodies are antivenoms to snake bites. And this is what drove initially me wanting to look into the origins of COVID. Why is this monoclonal antibody so effective? And why are the federal health agencies in our country punishing doctors for using it and it's being so successful and saving so many lives? Why are they punishing doctors for using these drugs that have been around for decades and FDA approved and safe and effective for decades. Why are they punishing the doctors for using them? And the truth is it's because they worked. And uh, anyway, so that's what I'm up to now. And I will just tell you now, when I launched a documentary in March and April of 2020 called Watch the Water, it was titled Watch the Water by Stu Peters and his team. That got almost 100 million views worldwide. And lots of people really resonated with the message. And the message was, you guys all got it wrong. You need to be very, very aware of what they're using to call COVID and make you sick. And then in the vaccines for COVID, the mRNA vaccines, I made in that documentary, everyone aware that there's actually two people who are credited with creating the mRNA COVID-19 shots and inside their research papers in the development of these shots for COVID, 
in 2009 and when, is when they started getting funding from Anthony Fauci. They both work at the University of Pennsylvania. Their names are Drew Wiseman and Kathleen Carrico. They received funding from the NIH to make these COVID-19 mRNA shots. Every single research study from 2009 to 2020, every single one of them, they used and wrote in their published papers that to do mRNA gene therapy, to generate the production of spike proteins, which are actually venoms, they utilize something called snake venom phosphodiesterase, a destructive component of venoms that destroys and cleaves or cuts and chops up genetic material like RNA and DNA. And that's what you need is something to target genetic material to cleave it or cut it and then try to insert in their opinion and in their mad science, in my opinion, some other DNA genetic code to insert inside of the now damaged DNA or RNA. Well, when I realized that they used snake venom in their research and, uh, and to develop their vaccines for mRNA gene therapy since 2009, it wasn't very hard to put together that the blood clotting that was being reported around the world after getting the mRNA COVID-19 shots Dr. Charles Hoff out of Canada early on was like, hey, I'm, I'm testing all of my COVID-19 mRNA patients here in British Columbia, Canada. Everyone around the world needs to do a test on all your mRNA injected patients called a D-dimer test. And imagine my shock to go online and learn that the D-dimer test, one of the things they tell every medical doctor to look for if you see elevated D-dimers in a patient's blood it's listed. There's five things they educate medical doctors to look for. Imagine my shock to see the fifth one is look for snake venom poisoning, which is what made me go find out who created the shots. Did they ever use or do venom research with snake venom in their mRNA gene therapy creations? And oh my God, they do. In every single study, they're using it. So you can actually take the known and published patented venom components from snakes, scorpions, frogs, you name it, all kinds of creatures and spiders even. They have patents now for antiviral vaccines from all of these venomous creatures. So this was me making sure everybody knew and was aware that I have big concerns that we've all been lied to about what the source and origin of COVID is. The spike proteins of COVID that are so toxic and deadly per the Salks Institute are nothing more than venom peptides from king cobras and crate snakes. That's published by scientists around the world. And then in Italy, they actually confirmed in June of 2020, I reviewed this in thousands of interviews, Carlos Brogna and the rest of his team, they took blood, urine, and feces samples of every single COVID-19 positive PCR person in Italy in multiple, in multiple cities. Six months into the pandemic, they did this and they ran their blood, urine, and feces for COVID-positive patients and COVID-negative patients. They ran tissues of blood, urine, and feces in all of them. When they ran their blood, urine, and feces, they were looking for, through three different lab tests, can we identify the presence of animal venoms causing these COVID patients to test positive PCR-wise for COVID and give them their symptoms? And they published not just two venom peptides like king cobra venom and crate venom that the Chinese and French researchers found. They actually published 36 different animal venoms were found in COVID patients' blood and their feces, and zero were found 
in the non-COVID patients, zero. That it actually was a total of 20 different snake venoms and then 16 different marine shellfish creature venoms, including a starfish called the crown of thorn starfish deadly venom, and then 15 what are called cone snail venoms inside of COVID-19 patients. Now you asked for an update for the last six months. If you haven't seen this three months ago, January 28th of this year, 2023, after I've been screaming at the world, you guys need to be aware that this, this is an envenomation worldwide. Venom is being introduced into the populace all over the world. And this is how they're making you sick. They're trying to kill you, poison you, intoxicate you, and convince you you have some kind of respiratory virus. What was incredible was January 28, 2023, Dr. Chetty MD out of South Africa, C-H-E-T-T-Y, MD, who has been a great voice of reason and healing for COVID patients since the beginning of the pandemic and has been on Zoom calls, many of them with me for the last three years with other doctors around the world. January 28th, he's being interviewed. Now he has put together a COVID-19 protocol to help people that are acutely sick with COVID. And none of his patients for the last three years ever developed long hauler COVID symptoms. But in the last six months, there's been hundreds of people flying to South Africa who are struggling mightily with long hauler COVID symptoms. And when he started to try to treat them, he talks about it very openly. There were a lot of them that would not respond to our traditional therapy. And as a result, he was getting frustrated. So he tells the interviewer, I pulled their fecal matter and I sent it to Italy to Carlos Brogna, the scientist who actually conducted the Italy study in June of 2020. That was published in October of 2021 where they found 36 different animal venoms in COVID patients. Dr. Chetty took his long hauler COVID patients that would not recover, took their fecal samples and sent them to Carlos Brogna. He ran the same three tests that he did in 2020 and was able to confirm for Dr. Chetty the same finding. Your long hauler COVID patients are having in bacteria in their intestines and in their feces. There is bacteria replicating venoms from snakes, venoms from a starfish, and venoms from cone snails called conotoxins. So once again, they run three lab tests on separate patients from around the world struggling with long hauler COVID patients and found the exact same thing. Now, what's interesting is, is the interviewer asked Dr. Chetty, MD, in this interview, Dr. Chetty, are you saying that COVID-19 is more of a digestive bowel disease than it is a respiratory disease? And Dr. Chetty, MD, says, that's exactly what I'm saying. Now, this is big because it's exactly what I was saying and what another doctor out of California, Dr. Sabine Hassan, who is a gastroenterologist, she's been saying from the beginning that this is more of a bowel disease than it is a respiratory disease. And when I came out with the documentary, Watch the Water, I proposed and was very concerned that the way the industrialized nations and the governments of this world are complicit, in my opinion, in keeping the pandemic going and introducing the pandemic to our citizens. I believe they're doing it through the water that we're drinking, showering in, bathing in. And that's what I told the whole world. I was like, y'all need to be careful. They're using synthetic manufactured venoms, snake venoms, and they're putting it in your water and we're drinking it 
or we are showering in it and it's getting into our body through our skin and through our eyes. And this is absolutely published real information. I didn't make it up. This is really the capability that they have to actually disperse a biological pathogen in the water systems around the world that our governments, most of them already control. They already control the patented blends and the actual chlorine content, fluoride content, and uh, many other things in our water systems and water supplies. And it's not far-fetched to think this is how they're doing it. And my main concern was, why aren't we looking at the water when every government around the world is only testing our water systems looking for COVID as a predictor for an outbreak of a respiratory condition in your town? How can they look for COVID when it's never been isolated is very, this question, but... Uh, isn't that a great question? Yeah. How, how have you, how are they finding a computer model in your water? <laughs> how are they finding a computer algorithm in your water? I don't know. So what they are really identifying, and I'll just speak to it here, because this is very good, I think, for people to understand. Clive, isn't it odd? It's obvious that the pharmaceutical industries don't care about the virus. They're not worried about a virus making you sick. Can you name one single COVID-19 vaccine worldwide that even includes the virus in it? <laughs> no. They're well, only looking for... And, yeah. and on top of that, are viruses what they say they are anyway? Or are they exosomes? You know, the same sort of argument. Uh, uh, exactly. you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, last time we spoke, uh, we we discussed some solutions. And, uh, you know, we mentioned lots of things from NAC to MSM to vitamin C and so on. But you mentioned bacteria this time, which I didn't remember you mentioning last time. So, you know, one of the greatest antibacterials, for instance, is vitamin C, you know, taken to bowel tolerance until the problem goes away. So can we talk a little bit about now what you think the solutions for people who are being exposed or have been exposed or have got what they call long COVID? What what, what do you reckon now are the real solutions? Yeah, absolutely. This is a great question. So, and I really do want to propose the hope and the antidotes and the solutions to people to remove fear and anxiety and panic, right? I'm not an alarmist. It is, you need to know this, and then now you know what to do about it. So in this case, uh, I just want to remind the world right now, based on our last statements, every single drug company that's manufacturing a COVID-19 vaccine is only making a COVID-19 vaccine on the spike protein, not the virus. It has nothing to do with the virus. They don't care about the virus. They're only concerned about this spike protein that was already identified to be venoms. So if we're going to get into this discussion about what's the antidotes, I'm going to tell you what they are. And then when you get to this, and it may be because we haven't done a show together in the last six months, about starting in November, I started doing presentations around the world with Mike Adams, Dr. Jane Ruby, the Stu Peters Network. I was again out in the media again, educating audiences that researchers around the world already, and I can, and I showed the entire world over and over and over. We're about to do our second documentary to release with Stu Peters, and we're going to show this even more so. But around the world, you can purchase synthetic venoms in a jar. And they allow you, the people manufacturing them, the same ones that you find in COVID patients, when you go to order it, they actually tell you, would you like your venom, you get to pick as the consumer from your laptop or your computer, would you like your venom from the King Cobra snake coming from and being grown in bacteria like E. coli, or do you want it manufactured in yeast 
or do you want it manufactured in mammal cells, Clive? That's what they say. And you get to pick which one. I want my venom manufactured and synthetically made by bacteria called E. coli or in yeast or in mammal cells. Now just say no. I, they I, know I, that I, they can make this stuff in those organisms. They know they can do it. They call it genetic engineering and biological engineering. How do you instruct a microorganism or a cell of a creature to manufacture something it doesn't normally manufacture? This is the engineering part of the mad science. So when you're seeing outbreaks of E. coli, candida, and yeast, you're seeing it all over the media. This is how they are allowing COVID to continue. They have instructed and created an engineered bacteria. They're going to release into our water systems, into our food, into our lettuce. If you eat at Wendy's, the fast food restaurant, like the outbreaks all over the United States six months ago, they are going to introduce E. coli bacteria into our bodies and yeast through our water systems and our food. This is what they're going to do. And then they're going to introduce venom into us through vaccines, through water, through food, through the air. And when it gets into the presence of bacteria, yeast, and your mammal cells that they're now engineering, your body will start replicating internally those venoms and you can't get rid of them. So you will continue to persist to have long hauler COVID symptoms. When interviewing Dr. Chetty, MD in South Africa, and this is exactly what I started telling people six months ago before his interview, I said, everybody who's considering getting a COVID-19 vaccine needs to be tested for candida, which is yeast, or E. coli co-infections. Because the moment they instruct and inject you with spike proteins or the instructions to make them, they already know how to instruct bacteria, yeast, and your own cells to manufacture venom. That's what they do. And this is what Chetty was able to confirm. So what Dr. Chetty did with the long hauler COVID patients he discusses, they had to use some really strong antibiotics to wipe out the colon's bad bacteria, E. coli, that was replicating the venoms. And then go back in and put in healthy probiotics to restore the gut. Now, Clive, no one really needs to do that. <laughs> you just mentioned vitamin C can do that. And I will tell you what else can do it. So to in order to handle this, there's a few principles everyone needs to understand. Once you understand, <laughs> and let's go ahead and define this for people too, if they don't know this. Did you know, and does your audience know in this respect of do viruses exist or not? Did you know that the word virus, the Latin historical definition of the word virus actually means toxic excretion or venom? That's what it means. Yes. So, so what if they're just using venoms and telling you you have a virus? Like they're just using them interchangeably. It's like saying, uh, you know, I have a pizza or I have a flat bread with pepperoni and cheese on it. You know what I mean? Like you can call it whatever you want, but it's the same thing. And in my opinion, that is exactly what they're doing. All right. So, and I've done enough presentations to convince people, hopefully a whole bunch of them, to understand this is what they are doing because these principles I'm going to share with your audiences right now is what they publish detoxifies and protects the human body from venoms. So it either tears down the venom, releases the venom, and there's a few principles. Number one, the target receptors on the cells of the human body, all of them, that venoms target and what COVID venoms are targeting what the spike proteins if you want to call it that are targeting are what are called alpha 7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors now these are nicotine receptors for short 
but they're called alpha-7 nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. They're nicotine receptors. Now, these nicotine receptors, to my shock over the last year figuring this out, I didn't know this as a retired chiropractor. I didn't know that your beta cells that make insulin, I didn't know they were totally lined with alpha-7 nicotine receptors. And when venom hits them, it shuts off the beta cells function to release insulin, which is why you're seeing huge problems with diabetics surviving and being hospitalized for COVID. They, can, they know if they introduce venom inside of you and it reaches your pancreas, it's going to shut off your ability to manage insulin. And you're seeing massive problems, new diagnoses of prediabetes and diabetes, type 1 diabetes even, since COVID was released, and then massive problems with hospitalization and deaths in the diabetics. What else do diabetics struggle with? Because they have excess blood sugar, they, have a, they struggle almost all of them with concomitant or at the same time E. coli bacterial infections and UTIs and candida or yeast overgrowth which is going to be massively problematic when they're introducing venoms inside of you <laughs> that are going to be replicated in those microorganisms. So you need to just understand these alpha-7 nicotine receptors, they line every cell in your body, all of your nerves, your heart. It's even on the outside of all your T cells, which are your immune cells to fight infection. They know how to shut off those cells immunity by turning them off if you attach a venom peptide to the alpha-7 receptors on the outside of the cell. They're called antagonistic, the venoms. They shut it off. All right, so how do you release the venom off the nerves or off the cells so the cells can be turned back on? There's two words the audiences can relate to. Number one is, if you're shutting off a cell's function, that's called antagonistic. So venoms are antagonistic spike proteins are antagonistic agonists are the things that turn that receptor on and make the cell turn back on and fire again and do whatever its job is an agonist to the nicotine receptors the greatest in the whole world is nicotine nicotine is the number one agonist for alpha 7 nicotine receptors period even for your beta cells that release insulin and they know this. This is why there's been a worldwide attempt to get all of you convinced to avoid smoking, to stay away from tobacco products. And now in Australia and in New Zealand and in Canada and America and England, there are now health initiatives for the whole country to eliminate access to nicotine products and tobacco products between now and 2030. All of our countries have this. They're all doing it to create and dissuade uh, all of us from trusting in this plant-based component that actually directly and with the highest affinity turns all your cells back on and reverses long hauler COVID symptoms. And so what happens is, is in the human body, in the presence of nicotine, if venom is in the body or spike proteins or COVID, whatever you want to call it, if it's on a cell or in a cell, the moment your body recognizes nicotine is in the environment, it releases whatever else is bound to it and it grabs nicotine. It has the highest affinity for grabbing nicotine and letting go of the venom. That doesn't mean the venom's coming out of your body. It's just been released from that cell. So for example, people who had loss of taste and smell, the moment they started chewing nicotine gum when I told them the antidote was nicotine, hundreds of thousands of people have reported immediately they're, within 45 minutes to three days, all their taste and smell was restored and hearing and tinnitus gone and brain fog all disappeared and tachycardia 
which is phenomenal. The very next thought was, in my opinion, when I let the world know that was, now that you've released the venom, where's it going? It's now in your body still circulating in your bloodstream or in your lymphatics somewhere. So the goal then is to break it apart. Well, you don't know this yet. Your audiences may if they've followed what I've been doing for the last six months. There is nothing published that is more effective at destroying the bonds that are called disulfide bonds of venoms to break them apart, to make them less toxic, change their shape, than food-grade hydrogen peroxide. In fact, Clive, talking about virology, when someone gets a virus, the human body's mitochondria in every cell releases hydrogen peroxide as a way to help clear the virus out of the body. So if you can introduce more hydrogen peroxide into the body and you have food-grade hydrogen peroxide, I cannot tell you how massive, this is not a joke, we're having patients who were, who were paralyzed after getting the COVID-19 mRNA shots, who have been paralyzed for over a year, laying in a bed doing Zoom calls with us, and as we're educating and coaching them these basic principles of healing, within six weeks, these individuals are now back at work. They were told they would never be able to walk again. We are seeing massive improvements. Dr. Henry Ely and I are working directly through research studies, antidotes to apply these healing principles of these antidotes when people have venom in their body. And we are seeing incredible recovery in testimonials. And we are gonna be releasing this information as a protocol for people. And it's all gonna be based on snake venom research. The basic principles are this, you have to use nicotine to release the venoms. Number two, you gotta have something to destroy the venom. There's two things that work extremely well and are very published to break apart venom into pieces to do what they call detoxify the venom in the body. Food-grade hydrogen peroxide and EDTA are the two most published destroyers of venom. You mentioned vitamin C. Vitamin C also destroys venom. It also feeds and feeds healthy bacteria and destroys bad bacteria, right? Like E. coli and yeast. So it has an immune benefit. NAC also is published to destroy venom and break apart its uh, protein structure. But nothing is greater than EDTA and hydrogen peroxide. And I want to speak about the food-grade hydrogen peroxide. It is not the brown bottle stuff you'll find at a grocery store or pharmacy. Not that stuff. It is food-grade, and it's called 35% food-grade hydrogen peroxide. They've banned that in the UK, probably in Europe as well. You can't get the 35% anymore. You have to go for a lower one. Yeah, they might have an 8%. I've seen those versions in those countries. So 8% food-grade hydrogen peroxide. And you just want to use like two to three drops in distilled water, six to eight ounces, and drink that an hour before anything else, three times a day for those who have injur injuries or worried about venom and want to clear this up. If you have long-hauler COVID symptoms, you most likely have bacteria and yeast in your body. And I want to speak to this about the food-grade hydrogen peroxide and educate them on this, on why it's so important. E. coli and yeast are being taken advantage of by the people perpetrating this pandemic, they are utilizing these microorganisms to keep you sick in your body without you knowing it. E. coli and yeast that manufacture and synthetically manufacture venoms in its presence, they both are called anaerobic organisms, meaning they can't thrive in an oxygen-rich environment. 
So you have what are called aerobic organisms and anaerobic. E. coli and yeast are anaerobic. They don't like oxygen. Your healthy bacteria and fungi in your gut love oxygen. So when you drink food-grade hydrogen peroxide, its actual component is H2O2 chemically. It has an extra oxygen molecule compared to just water. And when you drink it, your gastric juices and acids in your stomach will break it apart into water and oxygen and release the oxygen. Once that makes it into your intestines, E. coli can't stand, nor can it live in the presence of the oxygen. So it dies. And now you're not getting bacteria to replicate venom anymore. Also, the oxygen kills the yeast and dividing candida that also replicates the venom and helps to release it also. And the extra oxygen and the hydrogen peroxide as a compound is published to destroy disulfide bonds that hold venom in its toxic structure. And then you need something to bind to these venoms that you've broken apart into pieces to get them out of you safely. And we call that chelating, right? You want to bind something from nature to the venom pieces to get them out of your body so they don't end up circulating and ending up in your liver or kidneys or brain or something. So we actually recommend people use bentonite clay and or apple pectin powder. But bentonite clay is my favorite. So food grade bentonite clay, eighth of a teaspoon and six to eight ounces of water. Drink that twice a day. That's enough to actually start binding the released venoms using the nicotine, breaking them apart with hydrogen peroxide and EDTA. And just so you know, I, I want to speak to this because you mentioned it. The one thing I have from the very beginning of this pandemic have declared on every show I've ever been on. My favorite thing to tell people this whole time is the benefits of vitamin C the whole time. I mean, from the very beginning and vitamin C to my shock and excitement was working so well for COVID patients this whole time. But imagine my shock to find out that the component of venom, the mRNA creators, Drew Wiseman and Catalina Carrico, when they say they use snake venom phosphodiesterase, this component of venom from snakes to damage your RNA and DNA to do their mRNA insertion gene therapy, that snake venom, they have to buy it from somewhere. And there are manufacturers and suppliers of this venom component called snake venom phosphodiesterase. You can buy it actually from a company right now online called Thermo Fisher Scientific and a company called Innovative Research that Thermo Fisher Scientific has bought since my Watch the Water documentary came out. If you go on their website to order snake venom phosphodiesterase to do your own mRNA gene therapy at home in your own lab, if you go to buy it, when you go to buy it, it actually has a disclaimer and it says, researchers, you cannot mix this snake venom component that they source from rattlesnake venom. That's what's on the actual page. They state you cannot mix this substance from snake venom. You can't mix it with NAC. You can't mix it with vitamin C. You can't mix it with glutathione. And it is completely inhibited and destroyed by EDTA. And I was so excited to read that. I was like, they even know what the antidotes were the whole time. So anybody who's had these mRNA injections in your body, those people are using snake venom phosphodiesterase in the shots. This is why you're seeing elevated D-dimers and 60% of the mRNA vaccinated patients by Dr. Charles Hoff. This is why you're seeing that worldwide, all these blood clotting. Well, what does NAC do to blood clots? It dissolves blood clots. Oh my God, this is a published side effect of these shots. Oh, guess what else does it? 
The actual snake venom phosphodiesterase also causes blood clotting and NAC is an inhibitor to actually snake venom phosphodiesterase. So when I say people should be long-term, and I said this for the last three years, nonstop, everybody should be staying on vitamin C for the rest of your life. And I recommend certain doses. <laughs> I'm very specific about my doses. I think everybody should be taking, trying to take at least 5,000 milligrams every day for the rest of your life. Linus Pauling, the last 10 years of his life, was taking 20,000 milligrams every day for the last 10 years. And so you mentioned the bowel tolerance. I recommend trying to get vitamin C up to bowel tolerance, which means you get loose stools, and then back it down from that point, like whatever you were taking the day before. And I would recommend trying, starting at 1,000 milligrams a day of vitamin C, a couple principles about vitamin C that'll be protective against COVID and beyond. Every time you swallow vitamin C, your body pees it out in two hours through your kidneys. So this is why people usually recommend several doses of vitamin C a day. So I always recommended throughout the pandemic, and I will forevermore, you should be taking at least 5,000 milligrams of vitamin C, in my opinion, and separate it. 2,000 in the morning, 1,000 in the afternoon, 2,000 in the evening, or 2 to 1. doesn't matter to me how you do it, but... Dividing it up three times a day will provide protection at two hour intervals throughout the entire day from things you could be exposed to either in your food now, as we're seeing so much publication on mRNA foods and beef around the world. So they're going to be trying to get this technology into us forevermore. NAC at 1,000 milligrams minimum, up to 2,000 milligrams every day. EDTA should be at least 1,000 milligrams a day. And then your bentonite clay I mentioned was an eighth of a teaspoon mixed in six to eight ounces of water. If you're gonna do food grade hydrogen peroxide, follow the recommendations of the manufacturer, but typically it's three drops of whatever your percentage of food grade hydrogen peroxide is and six to eight ounces of distilled water. And it, has, it should be distilled water. And you drink that in six to eight ounces of water an hour before consuming anything else. And it has a miraculous affected helping to clear long hauler COVID symptoms and restore individuals back to health who have been so massively injured with these vaccines. Does it have to be distilled water or would reverse osmosis water be enough? Because a lot of people don't have access to distilled water or the money. Yeah, very good. I would recommend reverse osmosis water and then distilled water would be the top. So distilled water is just collected condensation, obviously, devoid of chlorine, devoid of fluoride devoid of venom <laughs> you know so that's i would recommend reverse osmosis filtering if you can't get distilled water for sure Don't, the tap water unfortunately most of our countries have chlorine and fluoride now in our water it actually will negate the beneficial effects of hydrogen peroxide in the water that's why they recommend distilled water uh, reverse osmosis water i absolutely would use uh, with my hydrogen peroxide if that's all i had access to for sure and a lot of bottled water companies sell reverse osmosis water too, so you can use those. And the dose of nicotine in, in the patch or the, or the gum, what do you recommend? Oh yeah, thank you. That's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So when you're taking nicotine, and, and I will just speak to this, 80% of all people worldwide are seeing massive improvements, like within 30 minutes, 45 minutes of chewing nicotine gum. It's miraculous without anything but benefits. There are a few people, though, I just want you to know, your, meat, your intestines are 13 meters long. And nicotine receptors line the whole thing. 
So people who have been ingesting venoms in their water or food or in the air, where, wherever you're getting this COVID crap from, it's going to be in your bowels, which is why there's so many bowel issues for people. The moment you introduce nicotine into your mouth, for some people, I recommend two milligram gum tablets only. I have never recommended the four milligrams. That's too much. Just do the two milligrams. But some people, when they chew that, if they have a lot of issues and a lot of symptoms, long hauler COVID, they've got a lot of venom inside of them. And the moment they swallow the nicotine, the bowels will grab the nicotine and let go of all the venom. And now venom's just circulating in their intestines and they're going to get very nauseous. And what happens when the body is aware that there is poison or toxins in your intestines? God designed you or you evolved to have diarrhea and vomiting to get poisons out of the bowels. So some people get very nauseous when they start to chew the gum. For those who do, I just tell them to cut the gum in half and spit out the gum. If you start getting nauseous, cut it in half and do a one milligram size and wait a couple hours and then try the one milligram. And if that's too much, cut that one into a quarter and wait a few hours and try the quarter dose and just try to detox slower. Uh, that's what I would recommend. So two milligram gums, if you are like me, <laughs> I knew I knew there was a bunch of us being targeted. And uh, when I chew the gum, within 20 minutes or so, I want to be on a toilet throwing up. That's what I want to do. If I chew the two milligram, I didn't cut it up. All I decided to do, which you can do too, is I started buying the patches. And I just took a 14 milligram patch every day. I still do this. And I cut it into six equal pieces, which is about two to three milligrams a day. And all I do is stick it on my rib cage. I've got one right now, right here on my left side of my rib cage. I will peel that off tomorrow morning and stick another little one on my right side. And I have been doing this every day for six months. Why? Because our president, Joe Biden, said in November, 100 million Americans were going to get COVID before March of this year. And I was like, well, not me, not my kids, not my wife. We're not going to get it. We're just going to wear our nicotine patches or chew our nicotine gum. My wife chews the two milligram gum twice a day, every day, has never had an issue. But all of her tinnitus, POTS symptoms, taste and smell was all restored in three days that she had for two years been struggling with, <laughs> just with chewing nicotine gum. And she never, ever, ever, not even for a second, felt nausea, felt weird, felt lightheaded, except when she bought the 14 milligram uh, gum accidentally, thinking it was the two milligram. And all we did was just tell her to cut it in half and just do the two milligrams and she was fine. So two milligrams is what you want. Now... If you get nauseous, just try the patches. I prefer the patches anyway. Uh, and so I just wear one every day. It's super easy. And uh, I love it. Oh, a couple things to educate your audiences about. A lot of people started asking me this, even though it was removing all their long hauler symptoms and helping them restore their health. They wanted, they still had worries, some of them, about nicotine being addictive. And I want to clear this up for everybody. I thought it was addictive too, because I've been programmed to believe it has been for the last 46 years of my life. Imagine my shock to find out that Harvard University in 2015 conducted animal studies on tobacco products and cigarettes and found out that nicotine and tobacco by itself are not addictive. So they had to find out what made nicotine and tobacco products addictive for the tobacco industry. In 2015, they, they actually published their findings. Nicotine and tobacco products are not addictive, per Harvard. And they found in tobacco industries 
research documents and their R&D documents in the 70s and 80s that they were aware that they couldn't make cigarettes addictive without adding chemicals to their product. And there was one chemical they found made nicotine and the tobacco plant addictive for smokers and people doing snuff or chewing tobacco. And the chemical is called pyrazines. When they add pyrazines to tobacco products and nicotine, it makes those products addictive. And that is what the tobacco industry has used to make nicotine products addictive. But that isn't found in your patches. It's not found in your gums or pouches you can suck on. So please don't be worried about it. It's really interesting. If my wife misses nicotine gum for like three days, it's really interesting because she'll go, I, I forgot it on our trip or we'll go on a trip or a speaking engagement. She'll go, I forgot the nicotine gum and I haven't even craved it. And I'll go, isn't that funny? We've all been told it's so addictive and you've been chewing on it now for six months and you haven't even thought about it. And none of us do actually. We have to see it to remember it because uh, so I leave the pouch case on my bathroom counter. So I remember to cut it up and wear one every day or else I wouldn't even think about it. But uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. The lies we've been told worldwide. So it's one thing after another, unfortunately, but uh, to protect your health, to protect your life. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you are struggling with long hauler COVID symptoms or vaccine injury, I'm going to tell you, you should be tested medically for two tests a D-dimer test and what's called a troponin test. And then you should also have tests run on a fecal stool sample for E. coli bacteria and candida for dividing yeast. If you have any of those D-dimers, you know what you need to do. You need to get on these things. If you have elevated, elevated D-dimers, you have blood clotting going on in your body. NAC is what you need to supplement at 2000 milligrams. Also, it is published that inside of licorice root, there is a component called glycerohyzin acid, abbreviated GL. This component of licorice root is published to break down the blood clots formed by all 12 blood clotting factors of venoms. So NAC, 2000 milligrams, along with licorice root, glycerohyzin acid should be taken together every day to reverse the blood clotting that D-dimers tell you. Troponins tell you whether or not your heart cells have been damaged or ruptured open in the form of a myocardial infarction or heart attack, which venoms destroy these cells also. And if that is the case, there are certain things you need to do to consume to help repair the heart and also destroy the venom to get it out, which we've already talked about here, those things that do that. And actually every heart cell also on the outside of them, they're called cardiomyocytes. Imagine my shock to learn they're all lined with alpha seven nicotine receptors too, which is why you would see so much myocarditis and injury from COVID and the vaccines when they're introducing venom, they target these nicotine receptors. So then you'll get misfunctioning and misfiring of cells in the heart, which is why you see tachycardia, arrhythmias and myocarditis being so diagnosed. All right, so those are those things you want to make sure you have done for yeast and E. coli. The hydrogen peroxide is what I'd recommend along with the vitamin C dosage you also recommended. And I am 1000% on board with that and do recommend that. For those of you with, e with yeast, you need to be focusing on the hydrogen peroxide and following an anti-candida diet. This will help you recover and heal faster. 
and to help you eliminate the infection and, and deprive yeast and bacteria of the sugar they need to thrive. So anti-candida diets for three to six months in the meantime, while supplementing with those other supplements we've already mentioned here, these are going to be massively beneficial. And I will say it's been very exciting. Just this last week, I've gotten reports out of Australia and Canada and the UK emails directly to me from persons who since getting vaccinated have had extremity swelling. So their feet and ankles are all swollen. Knees are swollen. They feel like they're walking on water balloons. It's edema. And this they were sharing with me has been going on for six months, eight months and a year for some of these people that were completely resolved by introducing EDTA, hydrogen peroxide, nicotine and bentonite clay, totally reversed. And that was, it's extremely rewarding to me to see that these basic principles, when you're open to looking at snake venom published data research and antidotes, when you start applying those to people and you watch them recover, it's very, it becomes very fulfilling, but then also very alarming because you know you're on the right path because you're using antidotes as they're published for venom and venomation. And it's very, very exciting to see that. And I, I will give your audiences a warning. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, I've already been doing presentations around the country for the last four months. There's a document titled Antiviral Properties of Animal Venom Peptides. This was published in 2017. Antiviral Properties of Antivenom, or sorry, of Animal Venom Peptides. So in this published paper in 2017, they actually outline every single virus that is has been implicated in either an endemic, an epidemic, or a pandemic, every single virus, HIV, measles, Ebola, SARS-CoV-1, every single one of these viruses in this paper in 2017, they disclose all of the vaccines made from venoms to address those pandemics and those outbreaks. And they talk about the advantages of a venom-based antiviral vaccine for all of these pandemics worldwide and global viral threats. That's their quotes. They believe venoms are advantageous in their ability to be scaled, manufactured in an emergency situation to protect and preserve humankind. And I'm going to give you some examples of the patents I disclose. And if you guys haven't followed this, you can go to the Dr. Artist Show and drartishow.com and you can watch all these presentations I've done. I share all these documents with people around the world. They actually have right now in 2017, a patent on scorpion venom to be used against SARS-CoV-1 as a cure if it ever outbreaks again. Now, my problem with that is they already figured out in 2005, hydroxychloroquine cured people of SARS-CoV-1. Why are we looking for a scorpion venom vaccine to inject in people around the world? to save them from a pandemic of SARS-CoV-1. They also state that snake venom peptides are a great therapeutic for, for HIV, which is insane. I don't know if you guys even know this, but uh, did you know that AZT, the drug for HIV back in the 80s and 90s that killed like a 6 million people worldwide that Anthony Fauci pushed on the whole world? Do you know that that is a venom from a marine sponge 
in the ocean is how they made AZT. Um, this, this, this whole narrative of COVID, okay, is identical to the layout of HIV and AIDS and AZT. So HIV, you were told there was an invisible virus that was going to cause an immune deficiency disease called AIDS. And you need a drug called AZT to save your life. Except AZT had all the published side effects of AIDS as the signs and symptoms of AIDS. And so this marine sponge venom-based drug AZT is no different in my opinion than what they're using right now for SARS-CoV-1 that is a virus you can't see, nor has it been found. And they are convincing you it causes a disease called COVID. And then there's this vaccine and a drug called remdesivir that's gonna save your life. And the venom-based vaccines are almost identical in their premise and mechanism of action as AZT's marine sponge venom. And it's still being published today as a antiviral vaccine for HIV. And did you know that right now they're using HIV drugs in clinical practice with HIV patients? They're using HIV drugs with snake venom injected into patients as an anti-HIV therapeutic? It's so ridiculous. Y'all need to be careful. Every drug moving forward as a vaccine, every vaccine in the future is already patented to come from venoms of snakes, spiders, scorpions, frogs, and marine sponges in the ocean, and cone snails in the ocean. So this is what I continue to educate people on. If you are vaccine hesitant right now, you should be vaccine hesitant for sure for everything in the future because they, they, they actually publish and project in, the, in their published literature that we can have faith in venoms at a dose-dependent manner to protect us from all viruses in the future. <laughs> now, I have another interview I need to get on, but I hope this was very educational and informative, and these people are just trying to call me, so I might as well answer their phone call. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. There are loads of questions I want to ask you, but maybe uh, another time. Thank you. Brilliant. I would love to. Uh, I, would, I, I would actually love to just sit here and answer questions for you, but I think there was a lot your audiences needed to hear that I've been trying to bring the world up to uh, an education point where uh, they can make confident decisions in what to take, when to take it, and why they're taking it to help improve their health and, and keep them safe. Brilliant work. Thanks, Brian. You're very welcome. Thank you, Clive. Yeah. God bless you all. God bless Australia. <laughs> Even England. And Adam, England. Why not? And Canada. Yeah, they, they all need it. They're all in They all country. need it. And uh, for the first time ever, I'm going to Canada on Friday, and I'll be speaking in British Columbia, Alberta. This is going to be exciting. It's the first time I've ever been there. It'll be really exciting. All right. God bless. We'll see you later. And do get with Christina. Let's do another interview. Will do. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.